Breaking the Stigma, Encouraging Mental Health Ministry in Faith Communities, with Dr. Sarah Griffith Lund, author of Blessed Youth, Breaking the Silence about Mental Illness with Children and Teens, on episode number 57 of the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Trumbull. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we had the type of community where we could openly say, you know what, we're struggling. Uh, if you brought over a lasagna or, you know, chicken, this would really help and bless our families. But we don't. You are welcome to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Bishop Trimble is on a mission to encourage you with the love of Jesus Christ so you can rise to your highest potential. On To Be Encouraged, Bishop Tremble speaks to a discouraged world with a good word on the pandemic, racism, the environment, human sexuality, and the state of the church with a focus on centering your life on the love of of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a more needed time for an encouraging word to our world? This is your time to rise to your greatest potential and to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Hello, good people, and welcome to To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. This is the podcast where we look to offer an encouraging word to an often discouraged world. I'm your co-host, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we come to you recording this podcast in May of 2023. In episode number 57, we have as a very special guest on To Be Encouraged, Dr. Sarah Griffith Lund. She is an accomplished author and the founder of Blessed Mind, an organization which is devoted to mental health. And she is the author of Blessed Youth, a memoir that offers a a powerful account of her own personal journey through mental illness and faith. As the founder of Blessed Mind, which you can find at blessedmind.com, She has dedicated herself to promoting mental health and wellness, advocating for those who struggle with mental health challenges, and helping individuals find hope and healing. In today's episode, which is part one of a two-part episode, we have the privilege of hearing from Sarah about her own experiences and insights and gaining wisdom and inspiration from her work in the field of mental health, particularly talking today about breaking the stigma regarding mental health and encouraging a mental health ministry in faith communities. In episode number 58, coming up next time here on To Be Encouraged, we'll have part two of our interview where we will talk specifically about starting a mental health movement in your faith community. Fascinating conversation, an important one to get a grasp on for you and yourself, people in your life, and for your church 
and for your faith community. She blogs at sarahgriffithlund.com. Let's get into our conversation with Sarah Griffith Lund right now. In today's episode of To Be Encouraged, we're focusing on mental health. Our guest is the Reverend Dr. Sarah Lund, and she has a mission that revolves around the area of mental health to share hope and healing. She's an ordained minister in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ and the United Church of Christ. She's a pastor serving churches in Brooklyn, New York, Minneapolis, and New Smyrna Beach, Florida, and is the regional minister of the Florida Conference United Church of Christ and vice president of Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis. She has degrees from Trinity University, Princeton Theological Seminary and MDiv, Rutgers University, a Master of Social Work, and McCormick Theological Seminary at D-Men. And she has received the Dell Award as a mental health educator uh, from the United Church of Christ and involved with several things along the area of helping serve the mentors, disabilities, and mental health justice on the regional staff of the UCC. And is the senior pastor of the First Congregational United Church of Christ in Indianapolis. In, our, in, in particular, in our context uh, today, she is the author of several books, Blessed Are the Crazy, Breaking the Silence About Mental Illness, Family and the Church, Blessed Union, Breaking the Silence About Mental Illness and Marriage, and the focus of our conversation today, a Blessed Youth, Breaking the Silence About Mental Illness with Children and Teens. You can find her at sarahgriffithlund.com, and she is the founder of Blessed Mind, LLC, which you can find at blessedmind.org. Mr. Tremble, would you help us welcome our special guest to our podcast today? Yeah, I want to say welcome to my uh, dear friend, Sarah. Uh, uh, we really appreciate your sharing this time with our listeners, and uh, we just continue to try to be co-conspirators for good and grace and for uh, getting into good trouble to make the world a better place. Thank you for your witness, particularly as we break open, pull back the curtain around mental health and and our role as faith leaders in this uh, space. Welcome. Glad to have you with us, Sarah. And just to kind of initiate our conversation, been mentioned that you're a faith leader in churches and you're involved with getting in good trouble, as uh, Bishop has said here. We're going to find out more about that, but let's find out a little bit about you initially. Meaning, tell us what about your faith story, how you came to know uh, Christ in the first place, and how your Christian faith journey has led you now to the path of, uh, of being a pastor and an author, and particularly with an advocacy, advocacy regarding uh, mental health. Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be a guest on this podcast to encourage folks. And so thank you, Bishop and Brad, for this invitation. Uh, We are indeed co-conspirators for goodness and hope. And I'm, like a lot of folks, kind of have a a very mixed uh, background in faith. I was baptized as an infant as a Lutheran in the ELCA tradition, grew up in the Disciples of Christ uh, tradition, was confirmed there. And then in college, was introduced to um, a more evangelical flavor of Christianity in a Bible study that was run by InterVarsity. 
And so my faith background really prepared me to engage in a deeper level in a personal way as I connected to uh, Jesus as a really uh, more intimate relationship. And so I'm grateful for the people who focus on college students in that window of time when people are really searching for meaning and connection. And that was where I got my call to be a pastor was while I was at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. Well, Bishop, I know you had you have a connection with Sarah and uh, share with us a little bit about your connection and then what kind of things do you, would you like to, for us to learn about her? Well, I think my, my connection with Sarah is relative to to our ecumenical witness here in, in uh, greater Indianapolis. Uh, but, but also I, I really want to get into, cause I know we don't, we have a limited amount of time to her writing around in the area of mental health, particularly her more recent book, Blessed, Blessed Youth. Uh, as I began to read the book, it began to evoke emotions, my own emotions. And you kind of warn the reader that this might happen. Uh, and I, as I got into the book, I realized I said, Maybe this is a book better better suited for a community reading, but but I was so already pulled. You know, when you're in a book, a book it's it pulls you in, and you can, just can't stop reading. So, uh, and I'll say a little bit, uh, Brad and Sarah. Uh, my my mother-in-law lived with us for 20 years. Uh, in fact, she first came to live with us. Uh, she's gone on to heaven. Uh, Leola Young Granberry, and our children are three now three adult children. But our children grew up thinking everybody had a grandmother who lived with them. But they didn't know why she lived with us. They just thought everybody had a grandmother who lived with them. They, we kind of were raised in kind of a village environment. But while I was actually in my second year of uh, seminary, when we were at seminary, uh, Brad at Garrett in Evanston, my mother had to come live, mother-in-law had to come live with us temporarily uh, because she had mental illness. And uh, her mother had passed and she was living with her mother. Uh, and when, when her mother passed, she, she couldn't stay by herself. She attempted to do that, uh, was off her meds and just, just kind of things were, were unraveling. And even though we had a small infant and I was living in a small student, we were living in a small student apartment in Evanston, she had to come live with us temporarily. And then eventually she had to come live with us permanently uh, uh, once we, once I had my full-time appointment and was serving a church in North Chicago. And at that time, uh, by that time, when we had our second child, uh, she was living with us. Uh, and again, our, our three children kind of grew up with their grandmother living with them, uh, up until the last one graduated, uh, our youngest graduated from high school. And she lived with us because she had, she had a mental illness. They didn't know she had a mental illness because she received excellent care and support. Uh, and as long as she was on her, her meds and went to her uh, therapy sessions and she was involved, was surrounded by uh, church community. She was very active in the church, very active volunteer in our food ministry and so forth. Uh, and so it, it makes a difference when you are surrounded by support. It doesn't, it doesn't take away the mental illness, but it, but it, makes a, it does make a difference. And I say that by way of segue into saying, uh, reading the book, Blessed Youth, introduced, this may be in your other books as well, introduced me somewhat more to some of your story about your dad, about your niece, about your own childhood, uh, and how I think this is so true 
you, you kind of gave an insight to what I think many American families or many of families across the globe experience, but no one ever knows about it, you know, and no one knows about it. So I want to basically start with an open-ended question, basically around what early on what we read in there, both from you and and from uh, uh, from the Surgeon General around mental health is physical health. Um, help us understand that a little bit, Sarah, you know, mental health being is, is physical health. Thank you so much, Bishop, for sharing part of your story. Um, that is so beautiful because it helps us realize that everybody has a story. We all have a story and we all have mental health. The reason why we don't often talk about it is because of stigma. Stigma is shame. It keeps us silent and it isolates us. Mental illness has been stigmatized for a long time. And sometimes the faith that we grow up in might um, interpret mental illness as a sin, demon possession, punishment from God. And so thinking of mental illness in these ways uh, makes us feel ashamed and reluctant to get help. So what we're trying to do is connect mental illness and mental health to other kinds of health. And our brain is an organ. Our heart is an organ. Um, we can get um, heart disease. We can also get brain disease. And the more we learn about the brain, we know that it's incredibly complex, but it really is the hard drive you know, to our whole system. And so uh, I ask folks when I talk about mental health, you know, how many of you have a dentist? Everybody in the room. You know, how often do you see the dentist? Well, to prevent cavities, we go see the dentist for good cleanings. And we, throughout our whole lives, we take care of our mouth and our teeth, oral hygiene, right? How many of you have a therapist or a psychiatrist? A lot less people. Yet that is one of the most important parts of our body, our brain. Yet we do not have good mental health hygiene. And so I'm really trying to help folks be more open and receptive to all the ways we can proactively take care of our mental health hygiene and have a therapist. Everybody needs to have a therapist just like you have a dentist. And so that language of mental health is health is part of this national conversation that um, just like you might bring a casserole or a hot dish over to somebody who's recovering from a heart attack or in chemotherapy, you're bringing food to the family. We want likewise for good folks to bring casseroles and hot dishes to people who are recovering from hospitalization for a psychiatric illness or you know, depression or postpartum. Uh, that's coming out now. More and more people are willing to acknowledge that happiness with the new baby sometimes comes with lots of struggle and lack of sleep and stress. And so we can be more open about these health needs. Get a checkup from the neck up, as Patrick Kennedy ah. says. Yeah. I like that. I like. Yeah, you're the first person I heard make reference to no casserole illness. Yes. Say another word. Well, you just said a little bit about it, but 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 can you expand on that? You know, no casserole. The no yeah. Casserole. <laughs> yeah. Mental illness is called the no casserole illness. You know, in our family, I write about in Blessed Union, our marriage. My husband sometimes will get in a pretty serious depressive episode where he's not able to get out of bed really for a few days. And so um, wouldn't it be beautiful if we had the type of community where we could openly say, you know what, we're struggling. Uh, 
if you brought over a lasagna or, you know, chicken, this would really help and bless our families. But we don't. Uh, I've talked to other church groups where a mom struggling to raise three kids and two of them have mental health challenges and her anxiety is is so high. And she said it would help so much just to have someone bring over a chicken dinner. You know, one less thing for me to worry about and, and give my family a, a nice meal. So mental health is health helps to break down that stigma. And it's also related to this idea of parity. And you see this in our healthcare system and insurance that we don't cover medical care for mental health as we do other types of medical care. So in the advocacy realm, we're really trying to advocate for equal treatment to equally cover with insurance anything related to mental health as you would any other kind of health disease or disorder. Wow. Can you say uh, something about uh, there, there's there's good data in your book, Blessed Youth, around the impact of the pandemic and, and how it exposed the crisis, uh, like the crisis of mental health, particularly with children and youth, uh, but also what I, I call uh, borrowing words from from your book and from Martin Luther King Jr., The Fierce Urgency of Now. So the impact of the pandemic, what it has exposed and, and why, why this current moment is important for, 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 for not tacit advocacy, but really strong, urgent advocacy around uh, support around mental, mental health. There is a fierce urgency of now. Um, the Surgeon General issued an advisory, and this is pretty rare that the Surgeon General would do an advisory, but he did um, in December of 2021. And this is related to the spike in suicides in our youth. And so the data is still coming out. We're still updating it. The most recent data I read talked about um, 60% of teenagers are expressing feelings of depression and anxiety. And we know that depression and anxiety, if unaddressed, can lead to suicide. And so I am really hoping that churches will take this seriously and that all of us who care about children and teens will have the conversation and create a safety plan for our children. It is my conviction that everybody, no matter what your age, needs a safety plan because suicide rates are um, going up for all of us, um, even the elderly. The highest suicide rate of the general public are um, white men in their 70s. Um, yes. And the rates are going up for boys, boys of color. And um, that's often not talked about but the pressures on communities of color and the social unrest and the racial injustices are leading to deaths of despair. And so the faith community, this is where we can encourage each other because the science is also showing that as faith communities, we have a key tool to help prevent these deaths of despair. And that is the spiritual connection to God and to one another. Dr. Lisa Miller is a researcher out of Columbia University. In her new book, Awakened Brain, she has done the science 
and she has the data that we can prevent these deaths of despair by strengthening our spirituality. She's Jewish. Yeah, she is Jewish, but she says in her research that spirituality is a living relationship with a living God who is actively loving us. And yet, and so the more we can strengthen our living relationship with a living, loving God, and this is really what I heard you say in your story about your mother-in-law, is that she was at church, she was surrounded by people who loved her, by you and the church. And I think that that was probably key in her recovery and in her her well-being as part of her plan. In addition to a doctor, she had a pastor, she had a prayer partner, she spent time in the in the word and encouraged through the living relationship she had with a loving God. Sarah, you said something I don't want to let get by, particularly for our listeners. You said a safety plan. What is a safety plan? So a safety plan is three people that we promise we will contact if we're having thoughts of despair and self-harm. Wow. The safety plan. And there's a safety pledge in my survival guide for youth. That's a companion to the book. It's Blessed Youth Survival Guide. There's a part in that book that helps people think through, okay, who are three people I trust that I can tell, text, or call when I am low, low, low? Some and people are probably thinking, I, I don't have three people right exactly. now. Somebody's saying, I can't think of three people. What and that's do, why you Sarah? need a safety plan. That's mm -hmm. why we're thinking ahead of time. And if you have one person, you have one person. It really just takes one. We like to say three because sometimes people have their phone turned off. They're not able to get back to you in your text. So if you are surrounded by three people. So this survival guide is a chance to think ahead. Okay, who would my three people be? And, and tell them ahead of time. Say, hey, by the way, you're one of the three safeties in my life. This is what that means. Um, and that feels good to know that there's this agreement that there are three people who you trust who will be there for you when you reach out to them. Sarah, how do we equip the people in our safety plan group, as it were? I know for young people, really basically anybody, they're more likely to reach out to a friend, sometimes even a coworker or somebody like that for help, rather than a parent for a youth or an authority figure or a pastor or a, a, a teacher or something like that. Much, they're much more likely to reach out to a peer is the word I'm looking for, peer. So how can we help equip them in the safety group here and to help people to uh, get this set up? Well, the challenge with the peer connection is that it doesn't go far enough. There's a lot of pressure in peer groups to not get anyone in trouble or to make anyone mad. And when people are in crisis, there's lots of emotions and there's a sense of secrecy, don't tell anyone, and losing a friendship. So part of the training with our youth is that we need to tell trusted adults. This is not something they can handle by themselves. And God forbid someone would die because they kept it a secret or were worried about losing a friendship. And so we, we tell the youth that it's better to upset your friend than to have them die. And so that's why there's this idea of telling adults 
and for adults to be trained. And so that's another opportunity for our faith communities is to be the place where we have those trainings. The gold standard is mental health first aid. That's a nonprofit partnering with faith communities. They come to your church, they do an eight hour certificate training. It tells you the warning signs for someone in distress and how to respond and get help. Nationally, we have eight, 988. So instead of calling 911 to get the police, we encourage people to call 988. It's a mental health crisis hotline. And when I train folks, we actually call 988. And when I call them, I say, I'm doing a training. We have a group of people here. Would you walk us through what you would do to help us if we were in a crisis? We're going to hit the pause button right there in our conversation with Dr. Sarah Griffith Lund regarding mental health, especially about breaking the stigma of mental health and how you can begin the process of understanding its importance in your life and your faith community, particularly, and you heard her mention specifically about suicide uh, prevention. She's the author of Blessed Youth, Breaking the Silence about Mental Illness with Children and Teens and several other books on mental health. Let's talk about a couple of takeaways from this particular episode, which I think are important for you to have an awareness of. She talked about mental health as an important topic that needs to be openly discussed and supported within faith communities and how churches can play an important role in preventing death and despair by strengthening spiritual connections and and offering mental health resources and support groups. That's one thing. A second was education is crucial in understanding mental health and how to support those who are struggling. And creating a mental health ministry can be a proactive way to show love and grace towards those with mental health challenges. The third thing, we've mentioned it already, but it's so important, is that stigma and shame can prevent people from talking about their own mental health or seeking help regarding mental illnesses. Churches and faith communities can work to create an inclusive and supportive environment for especially youth, neurodivergent youth and individuals with mental health challenges and to become a place for kind of mental health first aid and identifying warning signs and responding to mental health distress. You can find her at her website, sarahgriffithlund.com and at her organization, blessedmind.org. For more information about her, we'll put links to that at our website, which is tobeencouraged.com slash 057. We certainly encourage you to... Tune in again next time on episode 058 for part two of this interview where Sarah Griffith Lund begins to help us and helping to start a mental health movement, starting with your church and your community, which, uh, which is advocating for mental health ministry, which serves the community and can start in your faith space. And we talk about some practical ways to do that. Helpful conversation here today here in Mental Health Month in May of 2023. Hope you'll take it to heart. Here on the To Be Encouraged podcast, we're all about being helpful to United Methodist folks, people all over the world, and in your particular United Methodist Church. The To Be Encouraged podcast exists to offer an encouraging word to an often discouraged world. I am Reverend Dr. Brad Miller speaking for Bishop Julius 
C. Tremble, inviting you to join us next time on To Be Encouraged. Until then, please always do all the good that you can. Consider yourself encouraged and appreciated for listening to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Now, please share the blessing and encourage others in your life to listen, to be encouraged. You can do just that by pointing your people to the website tobeencouraged.com. That's T-O-B-E-E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D.com. Or connect through Apple Podcast where you can follow, rate, and review To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimple. When you do that, you're doing your part to bring a good word to a discouraged world. Remember to listen next week to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. And never forget, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it.